the world, in fact, is comfortable exactly as it is. In, in so many ways, they will never be ready to make a lot of these changes. That readiness only comes when we force it, when we push it out, when we advocate for it. Welcome to Hate Change, a place where we question the truth and find happiness in new realities. If you are ready to become a climate optimist and to see the world from a new set of eyes, you have come to the right place. I am so excited to have you here and I cannot wait to begin. So let's dive in. Let's embrace some change. Hey guys, what a crazy world we live in. So much happening in just one year and we are barely halfway through it. I think we can all agree on one thing, and that is that change is needed, and that many of these social justice rallies happening right now are long, long overdue. What's also going on is that it's election year here in the US, and if there's something that might be more important than anything else, is that if you can, you turn up to vote. But what does this look like during a pandemic? And more so, how can you be more involved in politics in your everyday life? Does your social media sharing and tweeting actually matter? And can we reach politics on a deeper level than we might think? That and much more is exactly what we'll talk about today with Saad Amir. Saad Amir is an environmentalist, activist, and the founder of Plus One Vote, an organization dedicated to improving voter turnout and improving representation in our democracy. Reaching millions, the organization rallies voters on issues like climate change, social justice, and voting rights. He is an expert reviewer for the upcoming IPCC ARX report, is on the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change Youth Constituency, and is an advisor to the National Parks Conservation Association. He has written for National Geographics, PBS, and the World Bank, and has spoken at the United Nations, TEDx, and Tokyo University. He went to Harvard, where he studied environmental science and public policy with a minor in organismic and evolutionary biology. Without further ado, this is Sad Amir. Sad, I feel like every time we talk, I learn something new about you. And I'm starting to get the point where I'm like, who are you? It's like every time I'm on a phone call with you or whatever, it's like, you did what? And I always feel like you must be 50 plus because no one can possibly do all that in a lifetime, let alone in such a short time that you've lived. Um, But anyways, that makes you an awesome person. And I'm so excited to chat with you today. But I want to give you the opportunity to share your story, how you want it to be shared. So what is the elevator pitch of Sadamir? Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I feel cool. And I would say for elevator pitches, you know what, like, let's get out of this elevator and let's have a real conversation. <laughs> we can condense people to like a, like a 15 second, oh, look, we're in the elevator together. But <laughs> is it like one of those super slow old building, very high elevator thing? So ah, okay. So we're, we're going up. So, hi. Um, nice to talk to you as always. I'm Saad Amer. I am the founder of Plus One Vote, which is an organization dedicated to getting out the vote. We focus on issues like climate change, social justice, healthcare, and, you know, really make, making sure that we're engaging different communities, young people, people of color, indigenous communities to fight for equality, fight for justice, and make sure that we're all represented in in this country and pushing forward policies that are forward thinking and, you know, making sure we're addressing global issues and, and creating a better world. That was an elevator pitch, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you are quote unquote out to change the world at a very young age. I think that's awesome. And you have been doing some incredible things. You've spoken at the UN, you've had a TEDx talk, um, you've written for National Geographics, like, what have you not done? It's just what I keep asking myself. What are some of the cool stuff that you've done in the past few years or since birth or whatever that you would like to share so we get a real full picture of who you are? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been very lucky to be able to work on all sorts of different types of projects. For me, my focus and drive was always climate and climate change and thinking about environmental issues. And the more I worked in 
in climate change, the more I realize how intersectional the issue really is, right? So obviously when we think about climate change, we think about global warming and changes, changes to temperature and things like that. But the implications of that are, are immense and how those and that touches so many different sectors of society right so climate change is a social justice issue it's a human rights issue it's a land water agriculture issue it impacts our policy it impacts our politics it impacts the economy it impacts jobs it impacts our human health and there are so many different facets to it so you know when I got into it it was so much about climate change and the environment and I was working in my local community and my high school we had um, uh, created this like hundred acre land preserve in my community and worked with the town to make that all happen. And then from there, I built out this large educational program and brought out hundreds of students from all across Long Island, New York, where I'm from, to learn about climate change and, and ecology. And the more I was working in that, the more I realized, oh, you know, like there's so much vested uh, money interest in these issues, right? Like, of course, it's important that we all lobby and educate each other, but there, there are these big corporate forces out here that are really controlling a lot of the narrative, right? So I started um, consulting with a lot of different businesses and startups to make sure that they are integrating sustainability into their platforms and into the ethos of the company. And from there, you know, I got to work with all sorts of companies. But what I also realized is, is that those companies are moving so, so massively slowly, like a glacially slow pace. And I realized, you know, policy is an essential part of that. And so I started working on policy on like local citywide levels. I got to work uh, internationally and was living in India and in the Himalayas. I got to, you know, work at the UN and do, uh, do some policy stuff there. And from there, I kind of, you know, and during all of that, uh, I realized that it's important to keep on outreaching and keep on sharing stories and making sure people know what's happening. So yeah, I got to, you know, produce at PBS and write for National Geographic and um, do all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's what led me to plus one vote because ultimately, if we are not out here advocating and raising our own voices for the changes that we need to see for climate change, for social justice, for equality, it's not going to happen. You know, these corporations aren't moving fast enough. These, the, our policy isn't moving fast enough. And we're seeing people facing all sorts of issues across the world. And so I realized that if we can all mobilize and come together around voting and voting for the right types of people, then of course we can make these changes happen on the timescale that we need to see them happen. Yeah. And I want to talk a lot more about plus one vote and voting in general very soon. I just want to, mm -hmm. something came to me as you were talking, and I think it's incredible how you were like, oh, I'm learning these things in school and I want to start working with corporations and companies and learn more. And it's just so inspiring to hear you say that because I feel like most of us or many do feel like at some point, at some day, I am going to be that person who, who works with companies or I want to consult people or I want to learn more, but we don't feel like we're ready yet. And I think it's just such a great example of like, you are ready. You have a lot more to give than you think. Just the fact that you're curious and you want to learn and you want to make a difference, reach out. Say, hey, I'm here. This is what I'm passionate about. How can I come in and even like shadow someone or like, how can I help out? And I think, you know, just look at the journey that that took you on. And I, I bet that you didn't even, I don't know, but like there must have been no stopping you. Like, did you even have that voice in your head when you started out? Like, who am I to do this? You know, I think, I think you really get at it when you were saying like, oh, like, am I ready? Is the world ready? And I think when it comes to change, the world doesn't have to be ready, right? Like the world doesn't have the same perspective that you have and that you offer as a person. The world, in fact, is comfortable exactly as it is, right? Like they're all the people in power and remain in power. You know, all these like billionaires can continue controlling all these different systems and they don't have to change anything. They control so much of society and they're comfortable. In, in so many ways, they will never be ready to make a lot of these changes. That readiness only comes when we force it, when we push it out, when we advocate for it. It doesn't just like fall out of the sky. It's something that we have to actively push for. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, then we're gonna see all sorts of consequences on the world, whether it be a massive pandemic that's forcing us all to be at home, whether it be uh, the, uh, the impending economic recession that's coming as a result of the tens of millions of jobs that we're actively losing, or even climate change, which we've been warned about for decades and decades and decades. You know, that idea of readiness is up to us to make everyone ready and to 
and to not wait for things to be ready, right? We have to just push that and make that happen. Because if we're going to wait for everyone else to do it, it's just not going to happen. In other words, you know what be, I mean? be the change. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful and such a good reminder. And I think that really perfectly pivots us into your mission today, which is plus one vote. Tell us really what your mission is and what you're trying to accomplish with this organization. So Plus One Vote launched in 2018. Um, and more recently, we did a, a couple big launches this year, um, one of which you're a part of. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the mission with Plus One Vote is really to make sure that we are actively mobilizing to get out the vote. The core idea is who's your plus one? Who is the one person that you're going to register to vote? Who is the one person that you're going to bring with you to the polls? The reality is that activism starts with one, right? I think oftentimes we see these giant marches and all this big stuff and it seems so massive and and impossible to do. But the reality is every single one of those people starts started with one person. It starts with doing that. And then you scale up from there. Then you build out a plus one to a plus five to a plus 10 to, oh, look, now there's an organization and now we have all these partners and we're launching all this stuff. And, you know, it's important that we really hone in on ourselves and our own voices. And when we did our campaign that we recently launched, um, with you thank you for being in that Um, be part of it you know the idea there was i wanted to get voting in people's faces so i literally wrote voting on people's faces right and so we had wonderful people like you having vote written on their faces and we launched this in conjunction with an instagram filter and this was a big social campaign that we had everybody tagging five of their plus ones to get them to also join in on this campaign. And what we found was that within the first 24 hours of the launch of our filter, over a thousand young people were using this filter to engage their friends in voting and to raise their voices in voting. And to me, what's so crazy about that is, you know, we had literally over a thousand people, young people in the middle of April, using their own personal platforms to advocate for voting and to bring out their voices on voting. And when you see something like that, sort of started out as this idea of how can we make voting more fun and accessible and less boring and dry the way it sort of is traditionally brought out to us? And how can we include in new communities that really need to engage in this? And then actually seeing it come up and happen and all sorts of people suddenly using it, it was really exciting, you know? Yeah, it's so cool. And I think something that makes you so brilliant is because we've talked about this many times, you and I, <laughs> is the fact that you get the whole social media influencer thing. And like you said, sometimes you work with people like the UN or like people that are doing great stuff, but they just don't understand the power that is in like the young social influence today. And like mm-hmm. you can make something cool if you just do it the right way. And like you got to bridge those gaps so like you can people in power they know what they're talking about how do they get the message out and i think Mm -hmm. that is why an organization like yours is so successful because younger people want to do the right thing they want to help and Mm -hmm. they want to feel like they're making a difference and like if you're telling them like you just need to find one person to sign up with you you're making a difference and you can Mm -hmm. do even more by helping share this message and make it cool to care and you know make sure that people understand the importance in voting Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think one of the things we hear so often from people who traditionally run these types of campaigns are like, oh, young people don't care. Like they're lazy. They don't vote all sorts of stuff. And the reality is like, well, first of all, if you're going to say that and put in no effort into reaching young people, then yeah, how of course are they ever going to know about this? You know, it's like we grow up in a system where our government is not actively reaching out to young people to register them to vote, where in all of our schooling from elementary to high school, we're never actually taught about civic engagement. And so at what point are we supposed to learn about this? It's just supposed to magically automatically happen when those same people in power are actively not reaching out. Like, they're, they're sort of like doubling down on the idea and forcing a reality that will make sure that young people don't vote. And when I started recognizing that and looking at this systematic disenfranchisement of young people, I was like, this is ridiculous because here they are saying like, oh, young people are lazy. And I'm like, not the young people I know. The young people I know are changing the world. And like, I see them posting all the time and like actively having conversations and, and trying to volunteer, but they're not being met where they are. Instead, like these politicians are out there doing their thing and just completely disregarding this huge 
huge sector of society. And that's ridiculous to me. And so, yeah, I think like this whole influencer world and this whole digital world and social media is such a good opportunity to make sure that we're reaching out to these different communities that never had anyone reaching out to them before. So important. And for anyone who may still wonder why is it so important to vote and especially why it's so important that younger people vote? You know, it's interesting with voting and young people in, uh, in the... Uh, 2016 election, less than half of young people, of the eligible young people from 18 to 29, went out and voted in that election. Hmm. And that was an election that was decided by a, like, te- like a couple of tens of thousands of votes in a few key districts. And so those young people sitting out resulted in the election that we have right now of, of the people that we have in power. And I think in reaction to that in, in 2018, there was a record turnout in youth voter turnout. And we had a hundred year high, a 10% increase from the previous midterm election in youth voter turnout. But even that was less than a third of the young people who could have voted. Wow. And so what we really need is for people to recognize and understand how important their vote is, right? Like your vote will fundamentally decide what is going to happen, especially right now, like especially right now, what is going to happen with the future of climate change? What is going to happen with our gun policy? What is going to happen with our health care? How we are going to deal with future potential pandemics, be it COVID-19 or, or COVID-20 or whatever's next. Um, you know, and in addition to how we're funding our economy, we're about to, we're already in a major slump, you know, we're about to see things crash even more as a result of this massive unemployment that we're facing. How are we dealing with that? All of these things that directly impact our lives are, are the result of your vote. Your vote is what determines the policy on all of those types of issues. And it's not even just like on a national level, right? Like we often think about the presidency, maybe the Senate or Congress, but also on a local level. Like there are people in your own community who, who their elections are determined by like a minuscule number of votes. And your local officials from your city council to your state legislature or assembly, they have so much of an impact directly on your, on your life and on, you know, from the roads that are being built around you to the water that you're drinking. And so if you're not out there voting, who's making those decisions about your life? Right. Like, it's so scary to me, the idea that like some crazy psycho could just jump into office because people weren't paying attention. Mm. And then now we're all faced to, to, with dealing with a series of different consequences to our lives. And so when you're not voting, you let somebody else take your power and you let somebody else make all those decisions for you that you never approved of, that you were never part of that equation. And so if you remove yourself from that system by not voting, then yeah, of course, all this stuff that you don't want to happen is going to start happening around you. Right. And so we have to all vote to make sure that things happen that, that, and that our voices are being represented in our communities. Exactly. And I love how you talk about the local aspect of it as well, because besides just voting for the election every four years, there are ways that you can participate in politics on a daily basis almost because mm-hmm. you can actually go in and make a comment and make your voice heard. You can call the mm-hmm. mayor's office and you know, talk to your elected officials and say, I don't agree with this or I think there should be curbside composting or whatever it is that you care about. Mm-hmm. Make your voice heard and not just during an, during an election because they want to hear from you. They want to make sure that they do whatever you want to be done in society. So. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, something to remember as well. And like, it gives you a lot of power and empowerment to just know that, you know, you, you can make a difference by how you choose to advocate on also just share a voice and make opinions about things that's happening in your community. Absolutely. You know, and when you start raising up your voice and bringing in your plus ones and your own sort of people around you and you start commenting elected officials take notice right like they have even like social media teams that if you're tagging them online and enough people tag them about a certain issue then now that congressperson or that local official is going to be notified of whatever it is that you're advocating for and if you keep pushing then you can make your ideas into literal laws and start pushing forward the exact changes that you want to see yeah and i feel like for me it was just i always felt like politics was such a 
far off thing in my life. It's just something so untouchable. But then you remember that these politicians are just human beings. They're people, mm -hmm. right? And like, if I was a politician and someone kept tagging me and like sharing their idea or views or something, you, you can no longer stay in your vacuum. Like suddenly you're exposed to the people that you are supposed to be working for. And so you actually do make a difference by calling them and tagging them and sharing your voice. And I love that, you know, just remember that politicians are human. It's, <laughs> I think it, that, and, and it's true. I think a lot of people don't look at them as human. And it shows how far removed a lot of our policy and politics has come from real people. And that will continue, that disconnect will continue unless us, the people, are actively advocating for these changes. Otherwise, they're going to go in their own direction. And, you know, the world won't, and, and it will not be in a place that's, where we're trying to head you know it'll fall into corporate interests it'll fall into benefiting a very small sector of society unless unless we have more people advocating you know unless they know that you're there how can they fight for you yep be seen be heard that's yes. what we're trying to say so what are some trends both both positive and negative that you're seeing right now and do you feel like covid has affected the state of politics and also the election so far Yes, COVID has really given everyone a run for their money. You know, even for us at Plus One Vote, it really changed a lot of the campaigns that we had organized for this year. We helped organize Earth Day Live in conjunction with the U.S. Climate Strike Coalition. And originally, this was going to be a huge, huge on-the-ground march for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. It's going to be like hundreds of thousands of people in the street. And then COVID happened, right? So we had to quickly readjust all of our programming to be online. We ended up creating Earth Day Live, which was a huge three-day live stream, had all sorts of amazing guests, and our content ended up reaching over 200 million people, so right? Amazing. So, right? And, and so it sort of shows you that even though the state of things as normal are, have fundamentally shifted, there is still the ability and the need for people to come together on these major, major issues. And, you know, when we're looking at elections across the country, recently there was an election in Wisconsin and they were saying, oh, make sure you get out and vote, but also stay at home and social distance because COVID-19 is a deadly disease, right? And it was kind of like, what are you saying to us? <laughs> right? Like, do we vote? Do we stay home? Like, you know, and, and we're seeing so many primary elections across the country right now be moved and be adjusted, even in, in New York State, like, where we literally are, um, there the New York State primaries on are on June twenty third, and they they tried to stop the presidential primaries from happening because you know sort of the candidate is uh, Joe Biden. Do we need primaries? Was the argument there, and they tried to stop the presidential primary from happening, but then they were sued uh, because that was not like an official thing, and. Uh, that suddenly went into the courts and the media is like, oh, the primary is canceled. The primary is not canceled. And the courts are like, oh, no, it's not canceled. The presidential primaries are not canceled. But in that entire conversation, the state primaries and local primaries were still happening. And so there was so much focus on the presidential thing. And now there's been like this massive, massive amount of confusion with voters across the state that that has been caused by COVID-19. And that's just in New York, right? Like this situation is happening state by state, confusing election officials with how they have to deal with this. And so now the big thing is really to make sure that we are pushing for vote by mail. So in general, you can request an absentee ballot. Um, and some, some states in this country do really their entire elections by vote by mail. Um, Hawaii does it, Washington State does it. Um, and you can, you know, just request your, you just do voting by mail. In other states, you have to request vote by mail. I actually just got in the mail uh, my application for vote by mail, like literally today. So that's <laughs> exciting. And, you know, what it does is it lets you vote from home. You can send in your application. And what Plus One has recently done is we started working with vote from home. 2020. And the goal here is to make sure that we are sending out hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots to people who are to the states of Pennsylvania, to North Carolina, and to Michigan, to make sure that those states, with ha which have traditionally very low rates of voting by mail, are that people in those states are getting access to the ballot and are being able to vote by mail because we want to make sure our elections are safe, secure, and that we are not 
you know, endangering people's health at the same time. And so COVID-19 has really changed the focus and the scale and the scope of a lot of the work that voting organizations are doing. And even just like the general uncertainty in our own lives of when does this pandemic end? When are we allowed to be free and go out? How do we solve and cure this disease? And how do we live our normal lives? Those same questions affect the, these elections and not knowing what's going to happen with in-person voting for the presidential election in November is concerning, but what we have to do is take as many precautions as we can and make sure that people are getting their absentee ballots. For someone who may not know how to go about voting, do you have any information on your website? How can people find tips and directions on what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to plusonecampaign.org, which is our website. If you're not registered to vote, you can register to vote right there. It takes less than two minutes. And we have a series of resources that make voting much more easy, accessible, and understanding. So things from updates on what's happening in your local elections with regard to COVID-19, um, you know, information on what's even on your actual physical ballot and who are the people that you're going to be voting for and what do they stand for. Um, you know, there's a series of questions that I think tend to come around voting. And I think a lot of people think it's such a big thing and I don't know enough and what do I do? And, you know, first I have to say, there are plenty of people who know nothing about anything and they go out and vote. So they're you making sure that, vote too. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. It's so if you're not voting, like they're voting for you, like yeah. not voting ultimately is voting and all those types of questions you can you can go to our website and there are tons of resources for there uh on there that you can use to help become a better a better voter and start becoming a voting advocate right the idea of plus one is to really make sure that we're not only raising our own voices and registering ourselves but that we're scaling that up and registering a plus one so you know you can send out resources and join our campaigns to make sure that you're engaging your own local community to rise up with you amazing so what do you wish to see happen in the coming six, five or six months before the election? Oh, goodness, right? So first of all, I would like to know what exactly is the situation happening with COVID-19? Like, <laughs> you know, first off. that would be, right, that would be wonderful to know. But of course, I understand the large uncertainty and appreciate all of our frontline workers that are out there like hustling daily. I think like as we become more um, like just engrossed in our daily stay at home lives, we start forgetting about all the hard people working out there at the grocery stores or in the hospitals mm. or on the streets. And so, you know, in the next five or six months, I hope that we're, we, first of all, really begin to show more appreciation for those types of people and that we start treating these essential workers as essential and pay them fairly. And, you know, I think sometimes we look at these essential workers as yeah. almost disposable workers, like, oh, they have to go out there, like they deserve minimum wage, and they don't need to like, have a living wage and have an adequate life and should be working all day. Like, you know, and there's just this derogatory, horrible way we think about a lot of these people. And I think that's becoming more commonplace. And I don't think that's acceptable, because they, you know, people are essential, and we need, these are the people who are really making society run. And so we have to make sure that we're treating them as such, you know? Um, if you're essential, you should be paid money as an essential person. Like essential, it's mm -hmm. the word in itself. It's like, you're prime, <laughs> you know? Like we yeah. need you. Like if you stopped working, like how would we eat? Like we, we literally don't get to eat. Right. <laughs> and I don't think we understand how important so many of these different parts of society are. And COVID-19 has really shown us how important a lot of these different things are. And as we get closer to the election, I think what I really want to see is people understanding their own voice and their own power in all of these conversations. And that we all, especially the youth, start galvanizing together and organizing on a massive, massive scale, be it on the ground after this pandemic or even from home using digital tools to really scale up the activism that we do and make sure that we have just a massive, massive record voter turnout in the election to fundamentally change the conversation on issues like climate change and on issues like gun violence and education and all these things that are directly tied to the well-being of us, of our planet, of our families, and making sure that that's scaling up, right? Like this isn't a thing that just happens suddenly come October, like it has to start now so we can properly build up and really like knock it home come the actual election. 
So if you want to make any difference this year, make sure that you go out there and advocate voting. Mm -hmm. And yes. is your filter still available on Instagram? Yes, absolutely. So you can go on Instagram and, you know, it's one of our many campaigns, but you can go on uh, to at plus one votes. And if you follow us, our filter will be added to your default role of filters that are on your camera roll. And from there you can, you know, use this filter. It'll automatically apply a vote to your face. It's fun. It's fresh. It's gorgeous. And, um, you know, then start tagging your friends and getting them all involved in these conversations too. Can we quickly talk about the Green New Deal? Because I feel like many people have heard about it by now. There's a Green New Deal out there we're trying to push for. But like, what does it actually mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Green New Deal is like, it seems like a lot of people have not read the Green New Deal, including people that are like reporting on the Green New Deal or politicians that are voting on the Green New Deal. And I'm like, guys, it's, it's not even long, right? Like the Green New Deal itself is written in like very plain language that any normal person can understand. And I actually recently got to work with uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Ooh. Green New Deal queen. Ooh, mm -hmm. yes. And, um, you know, she gave a really great eloquent breakdown of what the Green New Deal really is. And so it follows three major components. The first is to decarbonize our economy on a rapid timescale, right? So every expert of climate change in the world, um, like the main biggest experts are part of the IPCC, uh, which is uh, the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And this is like the world's leading foremost experts across the globe on climate change. And they have said consistently for decades, you know, we need to take more action on everything. And they've said that from 2020 to 2030, every single year, we need to reduce our carbon emissions by seven and a half percent. That's literally right now. And, mm -hmm. and what this means is we need to rapidly decarbonize our economy or else we're going to really face a lot of horrible impacts from climate change. So that decarbonization of the economy over 10 years is the first part of the Green New Deal. The next part is to make sure that we are centering frontline workers, right? There's often this idea that... Um, you know, there's a, some sort of competition between economic prosperity and social justice. And the Green New Deal completely rejects that notion and instead says that we all have the ability to benefit and prosper in addition to dealing with a lot of the social injustices that we see in society and that are going to become all the more awful. These injustices and this inequality that we have in the world will become worse if we don't deal with climate change. And then the third part of the Green New Deal um, centers workers and working rights and makes make sure that it's not just about, you know, having suddenly um, instead of oil and gas or whatever, we have renewable energy. It's about a just transition. So making sure that the frontline workers, that the communities that will be most impacted by climate change, be it people of color or people who live on shorelines or people who are going to be in the midst of massive, massive droughts or uh, other changes from these weather patterns, that we're centering those people and those communities. And I think what the Green New Deal does so brilliantly is it links policy with economy, with the planet, and centers people. It centers us to make sure that we have a livable planet and a livable, secure future all at the same time. So in a way, it's one of the most brilliant ideas that we've had in a long, long time. And I think that it's great that we're seeing so much support for this resolution to make sure that we have this type of framework out there to ensure that we're actively fighting for a better future. Yeah, and in many ways, it's like a no-brainer. Like, this is what we should be heading for. And if the question is, do we want a livable future, yes or no? If, if it is as simple as that, and it is as simple as that, you know, we should just be like, let's push for the Green New Deal. And just to, for listeners who don't know, there was actually a new deal. Was it in 1940? Sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. When, when did we install the New Deal? The New Deal, the original New Deal started right after the Great Depression. So it was like 1930s is when it really started. Then some more stuff happened in the 40s. And this was like a series of programs from, you know, relief for farmers and the unemployed people to the actual New Deal itself, which uh, had a series of public work programs all across the United States to build up infrastructure and reinvent our economy right after the major depression that we saw from the Great Depression and revitalizing our economy by investing in people, investing in workers, and having them go out and, and make these changes. So how I see it, you know me, I choose to be optimistic. That's sort of my 
my brand. <laughs> but, um, Climate optimist. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> you see me. I'm out there. Well, so considering that the new deal came from or was birthed from a time of recession and economic breakdown, I mean, I guess it, it was so successful because we needed change. We needed things to be different. And maybe this pandemic is going to, you know, allow that to happen. Maybe if this pandemic didn't hit, it would be really hard to push for a Green New Deal. But now people are going to be like, okay, we thought things were working fine, but it's pretty obvious they're not. And if we want to prevent similar disasters to have from happening in the future, like we need to be serious about, you know, what are working conditions? Who are essential? Who should benefit from this? Not who should benefit, everyone should benefit, but how can we work with the planet? How can we rethink everything? How can we restructure our society in a way that we can actually fight this big iceberg that is climate change? That's the best way I can describe it. But like, how can we actually work around this and move to a different future? And maybe we have been put in that mindset right now where we're like, oh, yeah, we do need change. I'm voting for it. Mm-hmm. No, you know, and I, and I think like what this uh, situation has really shown us is like, if we don't take precautions, if we don't listen to the experts and to the scientists who are actively warning us about disasters, they will happen. And there will be massive, massive suffering across the world and disruption to our economy and to, to our daily lives in a way that we don't even understand until it happens right like the reality is that if like these precautions for them to be successful they have to be taken in place years and years and years in advance of an actual crisis otherwise you're going to end up facing this huge massive crisis at the end and it's going to like we're seeing with COVID-19 cause that like thousands and thousands of people to die have so many people in hospitals suffering and you know, the reality is we have to listen to our experts and we have to listen to the science. And I hope that people walk away from this pandemic really understanding that that exact denial of science, which Mm. caused this pandemic, is exactly parallel to the denial of science that is now making climate change all the more disastrous. Well, that's another positive thing. I was listening to another podcast, um, Outrage and Optimism, which you should listen to if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And um, they were interviewing the, the author of Sapiens and Homo Deus. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Yuval, I think. And he was saying, like, what we are seeing in this time is that people are actually starting to trust the science. Like, even really religious people are staying home. They're not going to church. They're not going to the mosque or whatever their religion is. They're actually being asked to stay at home and listen to the science. And that is pretty huge because the biggest, I would say, enemy in climate change has been the fact that people just don't trust the science around it. And maybe now we are giving a lot more credibility to people that do have the knowledge, the people that do know what they're talking about. And so that could be another positive aspect from this time where we are like, okay, things can get real pretty fast. And so maybe we should listen to the people who know what they're talking about. And, you know, I think that it's like, the reality is science doesn't care about your opinion. Science is science and it Mm. it just happens and it goes on and it's the reality of what we're facing in the world. And so if we're not listening to science, we are just denying the outright reality of what is going on around us. And you can't build effective policy like that. And people can't live fruitful lives without having that sort of understanding around them of what's happening with their natural processes or from you know a disease outbreak or whatever it is. And so we need to make sure that people are not denying science, that we're not spreading misinformation online, and that it's great that we're seeing all sorts of different institutions coming together, really wanting to hear what, from the experts to know exactly what the best next steps are and developing policy and our societal guidelines for what to do based on science. Yes, and this is a loaded question, but... Do you believe, given everything, your work and what you're doing, your just involvement in all these politics and being on the front lines and knowing the science, do you believe in a just and sustainable future for all? Could you imagine if I said no? <laughs> <laughs> you're my podcast, remember? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, absolutely. I think the reality is that, and when we talk about sustainability and sustainable development, even the idea of what it is, like the core root value of it all is making sure that we are able to meet the needs of people now 
while not taking away from the ability of people in the future from being able to meet their own needs. Right. And so when we talk about issues like climate change and, and the environments, making sure that we're able to, you know, still live our lives and address our needs now, but not taking away from future generations from the resources that they're going to need or the air that they're going to want to breathe or having a stable climate that they can depend on to grow food and things like that. Right. And so of course we need a sustainable future. And of course we need a just future because right now we're on a pathway where we're seeing this immense, immense inequality growing. And I wanna be clear that, you know, whenever there is an economic recession, there is massive, massive wealth inequality. While there is like immense suffering and, you know, right now tens of millions of people unemployed there are also you know millionaires becoming billionaires and now for the first time ever billionaires becoming trillionaires mm -hmm. and so there are people out here thriving making their coin while everybody else is suffering and when we live in a system with so much injustice how do we expect it to just fix itself right it's on us to make sure we're actively pushing for a sustainable future for for the betterment of all of us yeah, and I think, I mean, that, that's the whole premise behind Hey Change, finding happiness in new realities. I think sometimes it's hard for us to even imagine a picture, a future where like everything is going to be sustainable and just for all because that's just so far away from where we're at right now. But it just mm -hmm. starts with being comfortable with change because like you said, it's sustainability at its core. It's about, you know, how do we live right, life right now without taking away from future generations in the future? So like how can we operate the way we're living right now that can be regenerative and sustainable? Like it doesn't have to mean that we're depleting, you know, our resources. We can actually like, turn to renewables and find materials that can like biodegrade and we don't have to put pollutants into the rivers and the oceans. Like there are different mm -hmm. ways of doing things. And again, back to this time, because I think we are learning so much from this quarantine time we, if you're always so stuck in your everyday life and your cycle and like the things you do, you might think that change in itself or whatever that means, it's scary. And now when change has been forced upon us, it's like, oh, I thought I wanted to go to the office every single day. I thought I wanted to put on a new outfit every single day. But like being at home and just chilling, you know, in my sweatpants and having time to spend with my family or whatever that is, your cat or making a second cup of coffee or whatever you've been able to do now that you couldn't do before, you now realize I'm like, oh yes, it was, it's been a change, but it didn't mean that it was a bad thing. Like I can actually learn to thrive in different ways and you find different ways of like appreciating life and finding beauty in the small things. And I don't know, I think sometimes when change is forced upon you, you just stretch your muscle and you start realizing that we can figure this out. We can do things differently and it doesn't have to mean sacrifice life. It's like you can actually be thriving still and do so in a way that is sustainable for the future too. And I think, you know, on that right now, like there's, the, there's some people that have the ability and the privilege to really be able to adapt. And at the same time, we're seeing, you know, people losing their jobs and we're seeing, yeah. you know, health, mental health crises being, uh, all being exacerbated or, or sexual assault from people who are now trapped at home with their uh, attackers. Um, you know, and so like, it's important to recognize also that while we have the ability to adapt and change, there are also some people who don't, right? And so we have to make sure that we are out here advocating and fighting for them. And I think with Hey Change, like what I love about your uh, super optimistic outlook on life is you're like, hey, change, like change can happen, it's great, you know? And then for me, sometimes I feel like I'm like, hey, hey you, change, change, <laughs> like we, <laughs> we change. Um, and, you know, being, a, you know, a bit more aggressive, but I, I think that, in, in either situations, uh, in either situation, um, it's it's so important that we do start advocating for these changes, and that when we're seeing these negative attacks on on this progressive or or rather this more sustainable and just future, that we're actively retaliating with our own positivity and our own forces and our own good and our own positivity to make sure that we're pushing forward what we believe in, and that you know the we're meeting the work which I think is good and important and, and righteous with that same type of optimism. And, you know, for me, I gain a lot of um, energy from being able to work on this type of stuff because I believe in it. I believe that this is the direction that we need to go in. And when I see other people join these types of movements, it's really energizing to understand how your own individual voice and vision can scale up 
and really make a profound impact on society. So, hey, change, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things. I want to really just thank you for acknowledging that. I um, Obviously, we have to be super aware of mm-hmm. all sorts of realities. Like, just because I live mine doesn't mean that there are terrible realities right next door. And I think it's not about closing your eyes to that. Being an optimist is not about living in denial or being delusional or not wanting to see what's going on. It's about understanding what's reality and understanding what's going on. But then if you see something that doesn't sit well with you, if you don't, if you don't think it's right that people are being abused at home or whatever it is that triggers you, find that motivation within you to work for it. Because what you just said, when you are working with passion towards something that you believe should be done, it fuels you so much. And that just sparks your optimism. And like, it's that rebel sanity where like you're working, you're being the change, you do whatever you can to make a difference. And that is going to make you feel better. Like sitting at home, seeing things for how awful they are, and then just trying to forget about it, it's not going to work because you will still remember. Like it's, it'll be, still be in some little corner of your psyche or your soul. And that is when you ultimately become depressed and anxious because it's still there nagging you, even though you're not trying not to pay attention to it. So I think the best way is just to be like, oh, shit, this is not how I want the world to be like. Let's change. And so whatever, however you say, hey, it's like, hey, change or hey, change. <laughs> like you can do whatever you want to do. But like ultimately change being the core thing where like we need to do things differently and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like I think the more we can just be in that flow of like, let's figure this out. You know, let's make things happen. Let's not stay here because here is not working out. Um, and then I think we're on the right path. But thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, and it's like that optimistic sense that you always have, like, core to who you are. That's why I love you, you know. Uh, <laughs> having that sort of positive spin is so important and making sure that we're, like, taking care of our mental health and that we're taking care of each other. Um, and having nurturing people like you around is always wonderful and refreshing in a time that is full of so much uncertainty and i can just say likewise you may not know this but you're super optimistic and i always talk to you and i felt so just like driven afterwards and like like the world can actually change so it's right back at you i have one final question that um, i love and it's all about my word retruthing and retruthing means they take something in your personal life, so something that is a personal truth. So maybe something that you just picked up when you were a kid or something you've always been doing. But like bottom line, it's something you do without even really thinking about it. And then you look at it and say like, oh, I wonder if I just changed the narrative around this a little bit. Like what if I told my, myself something different? What if I retruthed this? What would my life be like? So if you were to retruth anything right now, what would that be? I think that when I was younger, I was sort of under this this idea that I think a lot of people often feel is that you're just one person. Like, oh, you know, you're supposed to be here, keep your head down, like don't speak up, like work on what you're supposed to work on and things will just work out. And I think that was sort of the perspective that, that I sort of just had. But what I f- found was that the more I started waking up to the issues in the world, and understanding how our different systems kind of worked together and overlapped and, and interlocked, I started understanding like, no, I'm not just a person. We're all just a person, right? We're all just people. And we all are sort of out here living our lives, but living our lives together. We're all part of these systems together, right? It's not like these things, then these decisions are happening in a vacuum. They're happening while we're also part of that system. And so redefining what it meant to just be a person and be myself and understanding that I have power, I have a voice, I can cause change just like everybody else. And then when we build our voices together, it's not just me, a person, it's us, the people. We can totally radically transform society in such a positive, beneficial way. And so for me, it was about shifting that perspective, living in it and defining that truth for myself. And then now seeing so many changes and things that can just you know, be birthed from people's ideas and those becoming actual reality it's really empowering and so i want i want people to understand that you're not just a person we all need to come together and galvanize and raise our voices because 
when we all add ourselves together and we all start empowering even just ourselves and our plus ones, we have the ability to radically make change. And remember, it only takes 3.5% to start a movement. That's not a lot. I always come back to that. It's like, you might seem like the small little person and like you have your small group of people, but as long as that group of people expands to 3.5% of the population, you can actually make a shift. So it's really empowering to know that. And I think that right now what we're seeing is that because we are all in this sort of virtual world and we're all, you know, at home, there are so many ways to get involved and to organize. You can even, you know, join plus one vote and help us organize and make change. And so the resources is there. The, the resources are there. The ability to make that change is there. It's up to you to decide you want it. And then the groups and the communities, a lot of them are already there. And, you know, they're all welcoming and we're absolutely welcoming. And, you know, we invite you to make the change and empower your community in the way that you see fit. And so what is the best way to do that? If someone wants to be part of Plus One Vote, how can they um, join? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to join Plus One Vote, you can go to plusonecampaign.org slash join and right there, fill out the form and we'll send you a bunch of email updates for our voting rallies, for updates on elections and for ways that you can get involved and volunteer and make sure that everybody is getting access to the ballot and especially understands how to vote by mail come November. Sad, you're so cool. I'm so grateful <laughs> to know you. Thank you so much for including me in your campaign because otherwise I would not have known you. And I cannot wait to see what you're going to do in this world. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on. Hey, change. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, thank you for being a positive burst of light and for continuing to push for climate action. It's, it's that exact drive that you have that we, that is really inspiring and that's inspiring a lot of people and can cause all sorts of changes that we need to see. You know what I'm just thinking? I want to make a t-shirt that's like, hey, change. <laughs> <laughs> like one side is like super optimistic, it's like, hey, change, you know, like smiley or something. And then the next side is like, mm. you know, so you pick your side. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go for it, right? It's like, hey, change. You're like, hey, change. You're like, hey, change. You know, like this. Okay. okay. Yeah, I know. I like that. It's like everyone can make their own version of it, whatever they feel like. So, you know, you're going through a breakup. Hey, change. <laughs> you know, just like whatever it is, just it, it really applies in whatever situation. So, change is good. We need lots of different types of changes. <laughs> you, in whatever way, just keep it coming. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you learned a thing or two or 10 today. Remember that it is so important that you get involved, that you get educated and that you turn up to vote. If you don't know what to do and not sure how you can actually vote in this time, make sure to check out Plus One Vote's website for more information. I will absolutely link that in my show notes. And if you like the show, I really appreciate your feedback and love. So head over to whatever platform you're on give me some stars and a quick review. I really appreciate it. It helps me reach more listeners just like you. And for now, I just hope that you take some time to really heal and reflect and think in these crazy times. Remember that staying healthy and sane and tending to yourself too is super important. Of course, stay committed, stay involved, make your voice heard. But remember that it is challenging times and we cannot sustain this unless we take care of ourselves first. So I'm sending you love. I'm sending you healing and I hope to see you back here soon.